Oh, what's going on, folks? This is a very late night, depressing edition of uh, the TKW podcast. I'm uh, one of the usual suspects here, Kyle Maggio. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Matt Spenley. What's going on, Matt? Not a lot of good things, Kyle. I've been better. No, no. Uh, it hurts. It, it hurts. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how much I even want to speculate on um, the state of the Knicks and and the future of this team and how close they are now for uh, you know uh, the first pick in the draft. I'm just I can't really get my mind past. Well, what if he's not the same when he comes back from this? And I know a lot of guys, especially younger like this, can come back pretty well, but I just can't get past that right now i think that's the hardest thing to accept right now is that career altering injuries are a totally different animal if it's something where you know he hurts his ankle like we saw against miami earlier this year where he kind of tweaked his ankle and we were like okay you know he's gonna be out for a few games and he'll be back uh acl injuries are just so different because we've seen guys come back from that and just never be the same like jb just sent us a little blurb from a piece that someone wrote that said um you know 86 percent of guys that have had acl injuries come back from it but they also see a precipitous drop in efficiency and it's something that's completely just impossible to overcome for these guys, and especially you're looking at a guy like Porzingis that we've always been worried about his injury history from the get because he's so tall. Right. So when you have an injury like this, that's to the knee, and it's going to be a long rehabilitation process. Can we ever expect him to be the same? I'm curious what you think of that. Like a guy, he's still young, so there's something to be said for that. That having the knee injury when you're young and then being able to build up the strength after that and having to drive, he's still got a lot of good basketball in him, presumably, to look forward to. So, dude, it's tough, man. It's very tough. I I guess it's not like I want to be doom and gloom and rule him out to have any kind of a productive or successful career, but... I almost have the same hopes for Chris Stapps that I do for DeMarcus Cousins in New mm-hmm. Orleans is that, you know, these guys got injured. They got they got probably the two worst injuries you can get, the Achilles and the ACL. And they're not guys that depend, like, while they can be explosive, they aren't inherently explosive players. Like, it's not like KP is a 6'2" you know, guard. It's not like he's like a Dennis right. Smith. Or a Russ. You know, you know remember you know, when Russ tore his Russ. meniscus and we were kind of wondering, you know, would he ever be able to get back to where he was? And of course he has been able to do that. So, you know, a different circumstance, obviously, but something to, you know, just. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what makes you feel a little bit better about it is the way, the same way he was playing now, he's not overly quick. He's not, you know, overly explosive. It's just, he's just enough of those things mixed with him being seven foot three that sets him apart and when he comes back he's still going to be 23 years old he's going to be 
seven foot three. He's still going to be a hell of a ball player. So a lot of what he does is using his length to get by guys or to shoot over guys. So it's not it's not that I'm too too worried that I guess the ACL would affect him maybe offensively. Does this affect him defensively? I mean, he's been a defensive stalwart now. He's I think he had 23 or 24 straight games with at mm-hmm. least a block. I think yeah, I think he's the blocks leader in the NBA. He's we can go on about his uh, numbers around the rim and what he does there for rim protection, but a lot of that's him being athletic enough and long enough to get to those spots to make these blocks. So, you know, I think I'd be more concerned there going forward, if anything. Does this affect him when he's trying to take that step over and, you know, jump up and block Giannis? You know, he had a couple nice plays tonight on Giannis, and it's like, I don't know, is he going to be able to do that? I'm not worried about him shooting over guys. Is he going to be able to take that, you know, make that right rotation and jump up and meet, and you know, uh, a big guy with a lot of length like Giannis, too? I I, I don't know. It's these little things that I'm trying to... Well, let's the, the sickest thing of the whole aspect of this entire situation is that I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm sure every Knicks fan is in the same boat as me. You know, he pulls off this amazing dunk on Giannis because that's how it happened. So he pulls off this great dunk. Mm-hmm. He comes down the lane, sweet dunk. So I scream, "Yes!" Because it's awesome. It's a great dunk. It's a classic Porzingis highlight. Running the lane, his athleticism he comes down. And then he immediately grabs the knee, and it's no. It's the instant change of emotion that sums up just so much of almost just when you think about it, like what we watch sports for, because it's it's so sick how quickly things can shift from being a complete feeling of elation to a deflating sense of worthlessness and it's 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 just so tough man to go back to the piece that JB referenced real quick so about the ACL injury so I mentioned that 86% of guys have returned but they've played about two years shorter than normal players over the course of their career um they've started in about 16 less games, played in about 17 less games, and their player efficiency has dropped about 2.5 points. And this is per year, keep this in mind. And to extrapolate that for the length of their career, they've played about two, excuse me, 22 less games per season which is a significant chunk of games when you're only playing 82 games. The difference between playing, you know, 76 games and 54 games is enormous. So it's, I know it's something that the father of one of the Knicks right now, um, Tim Hardaway, when he tore his ACL, he mentioned that something that he worked on a lot was his shooting. And it's something that um, former Nicky Monschumpert had mentioned when he was injured that his shooting had all of a sudden um, become something that he had worked on a lot more. But, you know, we never saw that come to fruition. So it's it's just another situation of when we're watching sports versus narrative versus, you know, what's reality. And it's a difficult thing to know. I don't think we'll ever know exactly what he's going to bring back to the court. And we got to remember, too, it's February 6th, and he just 
tore his ACL. This is not a six-month rehabilitation process where he's ready come August or September. I mean, the season starts in October. He's probably not going to be well, ready come the start of next season, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious comparison, at least timeline-wise, is Zach Levine, who tore his right. on February Or even, even Jabari, who just came back last yeah, week, you know? Yeah, I mean, Jabari's on the exact same timeline, I think, with Levine. I think they went down right around the same time. And he's going to come back mid-year if he comes back. I mean, that's what's going to – he's going to be coming back right around this time next year. And that's – I think that's what's difficult is you're going to have to play, you know, three and a half months without him to start the year next year. And, you know, now we we don't know where we're going to be there, I guess. But one thing I wanted to touch on about – and we talk about all these, that blurb that JB uh, put up, you know, I was looking at another thing he posted with the players that have torn their ACLs from 1970 to 2014. And I can't help but wonder how skewed the results of that first blurb we were just discussing Mm -hmm. are with injuries that happened before these real advances in modern medicine you know a lot of these uh, i would say it looks like 35 of them happened before the year 2000 and that's a pretty decent amount to me that may skew things because it used to be the acl at least was talked about and felt like the kiss of death like you'd get it and you just and you would just never be able to be the same athlete or the player that you were prior to injuring that you know, it was just dumb. Right, and then, yeah, and now we see guys come back from the ACL. I mean, look at Amari. Amari right. had, I think, double ACL, and then he came back, had a very, very good career. Um, you know, especially being a similar size to what Chris Stapps was. I mean, eventually, yes, he got injured much more frequently. Um, he had a lot more, you know, he, he had a variety of injuries, but he still ended up having a very successful career for all intents and purposes. But look at Jabari Parker. He just... This is his second return from the same Correct. ACL injury. And before going down last year, he was having a fantastic year. So it's not that I'm overly concerned, but at the same time, you also just never know. While things do look better of late for these guys when they tear their ACLs, things can still go wrong. Guys can just not heal properly. You know, there's always... There's always something. Even that Kawhi Leonard injury, you know, with the Spurs, and all of a sudden, you know, he's at odds with the Spurs about the recovery process. Like, from what it sounded like, they tried to do the same thing for him as they tried to do as they tried to do for Tony Parker, and then he just wasn't recovering mm-hmm. with it. Like, you sometimes you just can't predict how a player's body's going to react to these kinds of things. You don't. You can put a timeline, but you don't necessarily know how or when they're going to recover. So. Being he's such a unique build, I think that's what I worry about the most. It's not the injury itself; it's the injury combined with. Well, he's seven three. He's a really stretched out yeah. figure who plays a really, you know, kind of above the rim level of basketball, and and you mix those things together, and I, who knows? Uh, I mean, it's a lot to think about. Yeah, there's, it's a lot of circumstances that we haven't seen before, because. We've always been worried about the nagging injuries with KP. And we've seen, you know, back, 
elbow was something we worried about earlier in the year. Um, we all saw the ankle injury against the Heat that we all thought was pretty serious and then ended up being a relatively minor injury, all things considered. Um, with this being a big injury that's going to affect him over the course of time, I think it's something that we as you know, non-professional athletes tend to underestimate is the amount of effort that goes into making this injury end up as a footnote on your, you know, Wikipedia page, if you will, because it's a grueling rehabilitation process that these guys have to go through. They have to work every day at strengthening this knee. They have to make an effort to want to be better and to want to put this in the past. I know my brother had a knee surgery that was not even an ACL, but you know, I can see that in his eyes. It's one of those things you go to um, you know, you go to PT and it sucks. And there's sometimes I drive from there and you just didn't want to do it. And I know that these guys, these athletes are the same as us when it comes down to it. They don't want to do that. You know, it's 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 the will that they have to be great and the desire to get better that really pushes them along. And, I mean, I think we can all agree that KP is the type of guy that will push to get better and will always be in the gym pushing himself to achieve that next level, to be someone that comes back from the surgery and can attain the same level of success that he had before. But, like you said, you never know, and it's such a it's such a tough process to go through, and, I mean, we can kind of transition this into looking towards the future for this team now, because it's something that we've kind of made a joke of for a long time, because the Knicks have basically been good for one year since the 21st century started. Uh, so... You kind of got to sit back and just wonder how long can we, you know, be able to eat this and just accept that it's kind of our reality that just bad things are always going to happen before something good happens. So, like I said, let's transition this into something where we're thinking towards the future. So, the rest of the Knicks season is going to be really tough, obviously. So, they have, you know, 30 games left, give or take. And they're going to be minus Porzingis. Um, they're 23-32 and 32 right now, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, it's going to be tough to win games. They're going to play a lot of good teams. They still got some good games left on the schedule against some tough competition. So, that draft slot we thought they could have ended up with might end up being lower than we thought and then even next season they might it's it's it throws the organization into such turmoil so Kai what do we think just moving forward if you're let's say you're you know Scott Perry right now what are your thoughts going through your head uh, besides just fuck no yeah <laughs> I mean that's that's most of what I have in my mind but I guess it kind of brings the the trade rumors back to the forefront because before, I, I mean, last night I was talking to Ant about it on the podcast, and I was saying I don't think that there's a need to rush if you're Scott Perry. I I think you have your decent 
team here. You have KP having a great career year, obviously. You have Tim Hardaway Jr. back, who, although he's struggling, he's going to work through it, you would hope, and get back to that form that we saw for the first third of the season. But um, now, you know, we see Cantor just has to go uh, to get mouth surgery. That lip cut got opened up again. He has to go get right. surgery yep. for that. KP, KP has the ACL surgery immediately. He's yep. done for the year. Timmy, his x-rays yep. were negative. But he was still he hurt tonight, which is today. just another thing that's thrown into this, you know, whirlwind right. so of terribleness. Is, yeah, so I mean, I guess my point is, no, I just wouldn't really rush anybody back. Uh, and on that same note, you, you sort of fold for the year. I mean, th- one guy is out, your main guy's out for the year. You had another guy get dinged up after being out for a month and a half. And then Cantor has to get surgery on his mouth. Maybe he misses a week or two. Who knows? I mean, why, why really go forward with this? You know, I mean, the team's not going to make the playoffs without Chris Stapps. That's just, it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, try to see what you can get for Kyle O'Quinn. You're going to play half a season next year without Chris Stapps, too, don't forget. So, you might as well just try to see what you can get now for Courtney Lee, for Kyle O'Quinn. And I think that's got to be the onus there. And this Willie trade talk can almost die down after that because you can almost give him exactly what he wants. You can give him big minutes yeah, at the five. Good point. You know, you, you, I mean, this whole thing—it just to me it just presses you to trade the veterans away. That's the only thing I could think about. They're going to be bad. They're going to be in contention for a top five pick now, and on top of that, you got two vets that would be coveted by contending teams. So I, I would just—if I'm Scott Perry, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm just trying to get on the phone now, and what deals can I find for Courtney Lee? What deals can I find for Kyle O'Quinn? And I probably have a good long talk um, with Billy Hernan Gomez after that, and just kind of indicate that look, whether when they have a deal in place, basically just try to smooth that over. So not yeah, I no, I, I hear you. Not to diminish the significance of the Porzingis injury, but to almost. You know, use that as a springboard towards a different discussion. Uh, it becomes, like you mentioned, a priority to almost focus on these veterans that they have and really take a hard look in the mirror and say, does it make sense to have these guys on the roster if we're going to not even be in contention this year? And then next year, if our first half of the year is going to be without our best player, where are we going to go next year? So a guy like Courtney Lee, who is on a fairly great contract. Can we both agree on that? That he makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams at that contract. $11 million a year. Mm-hmm. You know, $12 million a year yep. for a guy that he is of his caliber. Good shooter, good defender. Um, I know you and Anthony mentioned on the last podcast about some potential trades. You know, OKC, San Antonio, those kind of teams that could use a guy like him. Um, you know, Kyle O'Quinn, those two guys have been in rumors as veterans to deal that make a lot of sense to potentially pulling off to other teams. And the Hernan Gomez aspect, like you mentioned, almost becomes a whole different debate because if the Knicks decide to move some of those veterans, maybe he's a guy that you decide to give more minutes to. You say, okay, we're going to deal Kyle O'Quinn, and Joe Kim Noah's not here, so he's irrelevant. So maybe, you know, Hernan Gomez ends up getting some more minutes here or there. You know, it's it's not to get in a Hornacek discussion because I think that's something for a different day, but there's a reason why the veterans are still playing it's because he still wants to keep his job 
and that's why those guys are still getting minutes and guys like you know Neil Keenan and and um Hernan Gomez are not getting as many minutes but that's not a discussion for today that's on the complete back burner the farthest back burner that it could possibly be on right now but I think when you're talking this team looking forward they really need to sit down look at each other in the eyes and say does it make sense to have any veterans on this team right now because we are in a scenario that's unprecedented and I think there's something to be said and I think there's some sort of confidence that Knicks fans can have in the fact that I think we have a relatively smart front office. I don't know if you agree with me there, but we can have peace of mind tonight knowing that nothing really stupid is going to happen. It depends on how you really felt about the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, but they're not going to end up you know, dealing the equivalence of Andre Bargnani for our first-round pick. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be something stupid like that. Because, and I think it's something that the NBA has adjusted to as a whole, where those kind of trades don't really happen much anymore. But I don't think the Knicks have the dumbest front office in the league, which is a big step up, because they've had the dumbest front office in the league for a while. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. We're on the up and up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just... I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the biggest win from this is is the Billy Hernan Gomez situation. I feel like that probably impacts him best. Not that he'd be rooting for this scenario for that to happen, but um, that's the only thing I could think about is end of last year when we knew things weren't going well, Billy just started playing big minutes. And I just feel like I can't see a world where they trade Billy now. One where... Right, because it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I I just feel like... I don't know. I just feel like that's what's going to end up happening going into next year. I feel like Courtney Lee's going to be gone. Kyle Quinn's going to be gone. And then uh, whether they trade them now or in the summer, I just feel like both those guys won't be here on the roster next year. And then I just feel like going into next year, you're going to have Frank Nielakina possibly, probably, I mean, should be probably starting. Um... You're going to have top five pick, whoever that is. And then you're going to have Billy hopefully playing some good minutes. And then you just kind of wait for KP to get back. So, I mean, all that I'd be looking to do right now is just kind of align that young core together and just try to straight. I mean, I would almost hope to start seeing some more lineups that involve Billy and uh, Tim Hardaway Mm -hmm. and Frank. I, I think at this point you just kind of go all in. You know, there's no reason that Jared Jack should get 30 minutes anymore. You're not showcasing him. Nobody's trading for him. And I would just try to get for, I would just try to get these guys ready for next year. That That's the way I would look at it. Just try to get the young guys ready for next year so that when KP comes back, he's coming back to a better young situation. Right, and it's something I mentioned in the last thing I said, but it's, it's hard because if you're Hornacek, then you're thinking, I need to play these guys so that I can keep my job. But the Knicks also don't want to play these guys because it makes no sense for their outlook. So it's this really difficult juxtaposition between the coaching staff and the front office. I think it happens a lot with teams that are bad and getting worse. So it's and it's something that I think the Knicks have dealt with in the past. So, you know, it's it's a tough situation. So before we get out of here, um, 
do you think this is... I'm curious where this ranks in terms of, I guess, just the worst things that have happened to the Knicks in general over the past few years. Do you think this is going to spawn the most dire circumstances of the last, you know... I guess we can just keep the 2010s because the 2000, you know, 2000 to 2010, whatever, because that was a different era almost. But do you think this is the worst thing that's happened in the last, you know, seven, eight years for the Knicks? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's got to be. I don't. Just considering the stock that we put into having KP here, I think it's at this exact moment, it's got to be. You know, maybe next year he he's fine. He recovers. Modern medicine is great. ACLs are no longer a thing to be worried about. I don't know, but at this moment, I mean, yeah, I mean, the first three years of the 2010s were fun. We had Amari. We had those, you know, the metal lockout year. We had the great 54 win season. We had the year after that where they missed the playoffs, which was just disappointing. wasn't really crushing. There was the tank year with Melo's uh, injury that he had to sit out the rest of the year for. That got us KP. The Langston Galloway year, as many yeah, consider. Yeah, the Langston Galloway. Yeah, and some clean Anthony Early was <laughs> oh, in baby. there too. But the Cole Aldrich year. Yeah. yeah oh God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I the last eight or nine years for sure. I mean, this is the most crushing thing. I I would argue that this is probably the most crushing thing in terms of franchise outlook. I mean, is it a stretch to say since Ewing missed no. the layup? No, and I've been alive since '95. So, that kind of predates me a little bit, but this is definitely the worst thing that's happened. This is probably the lowest I've felt as a Knicks fan. Even when they're bad, you know, they're they're just bad. It, it didn't, it sucked, but it wasn't the kind of heartbreak. It, it wasn't the, so you know if you get like really deep into something, like let's say you're in a relationship and you get really deep in. And then she breaks your heart. It really hurts more because you've been invested rather than, you know, it was just a fling and it kind of hurt. This is the kind of thing where KP has basically wrapped up the entire Knicks fan base, said, you're going to love me and I'm going to love you back. And to no fault of his own, obviously, this is the moment where he said, we can't be together anymore. And it's just, it hurts a lot, man. I don't know what to say other than that. It hurts. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's almost like, uh, not to keep going with these comparisons, but it's almost like, to me, like when a dog dies or a pet dies, I mean, a pet brings you nothing but joy, basically. Such pure joy, you know? There's no baggage attached to it. And... That's all we got from KP for a couple years. Just like, wow, look at this. We finally have a franchise-changing star, franchise-changing player. He's 7'3". Look at these incredible things that he could do. He could dribble, dunk, shoot. He's a elite rim protector in his second year. I mean, it was fantastic. And then it's like, well, something bad happens to that pet that you love so much that just brings you blind love and affection and joy, and then it just kind of dies on you. That's like the worst feeling. Because it's innocent. Right. That's how I feel about KP. He's only 22. Maybe all those bad things happen later in his career, and we don't get to that point in an alternate timeline yet, but right now he's 22. He's just an innocent guy, and then this happens to him. It's just it's a deflating feeling. I mean, eh, God, it just I sucks. think there's, there's uh, something 
also to be said about the fact that we always view sports as something that we can enjoy without having to worry about some of the different things that we bring from our normal lives into it. And injuries are always kind of the thing that normalize it for us because those are things that happen to typical people. And a lot of times we view these athletes as these, you know, honored beings, these deities that can do no wrong. And to see them brought down, again, to no fault of their own, and it's just one of those things that sucks, it's it's a hard thing to deal with as a fan and it's just it's just a difficult thing to to grasp because it feels not fair it feels like why does this happen to to me to you know the Knicks as a whole who have dealt with so many different types of strange circumstances and just stupid stupid things that have happened to them over the years and it's just another chapter in an unfortunate book that one day might end up with a happy ending, but for now, it's it's still not the best ending. <laughs> it's tough. It's it's not great. No, no. I mean, I just I mostly feel bad for him. Yeah, you got to feel I for feel KP because he's a hard worker and he yeah. loves playing basketball. Yeah. If there's one thing we know about Porzingis, that man. Most playing basketball, and as much as he's had problems with the Knicks for their, you know, front office decisions, that man loves playing in front of the Garden audience. You can feel that when he plays, you know? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope he recovers. I, I know he was finally an all-star. He's looking forward to that. He's going to be in the skills competition again. Uh, he won that last year. That was a lot of fun to watch, so I'm sure he's looking forward to just that. The weekend as a whole... Um, I mean, he's the first Latvian all-star. I think that would have been big for his country as well. Um, just a lot of, a lot of things that this affects in a negative manner. And I just feel bad for, you know, him, his, his country, um, his family. It it all just sucks. It really does. All right. So we'll have it covered over at the Knicks wall as the story progresses and the season continues. So for now, Kyle. Thanks for chatting during this difficult time. All Knicks fans, we're here for you. We feel the same as you. So let's be able to hear each other out and kind of help each other through this difficult time for now. We'll talk to you later. Kyle, have a good night, buddy. You too, bud. Take care. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence